Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I might chip out, man. I got this, yeah. And now, this is the moment you've all been waiting for. It's time to listen to Reese and Dan on the Ankle Pick Pod. Ankle Pickers, welcome back. Ankle Pick Pod, episode 70, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, Jepson's Malort. We've got the usual cast of characters minus Parker, which might be the usual cast of characters at this point. It is. Nonetheless, nonetheless, RP in the top left, DK in the bottom middle. How are we doing? Chilling. COVID-free since 93, baby. We're doing real good. We're doing real good. Um, We have... Pretty oh, standard oh here. actually, actually, I do have something I want to talk about quick. Real talk, real talk. Um, been getting a lot of engagement for one, which is awesome. So shout out to all you fans too. And most importantly, once I get the YouTube login at Country Club at Pico Rio, I'm going to start editing these videos and we're going to get consistent video content of our ugly mugs shooting the shit. And before you know it, we're going to blow up. I already feel it. I mean, how can you not blow up when your ankle lock of the week is 29 and 12, making everybody cash? I mean, it's just easy cheese. 29 and 12, 9 and 1 in our last 10. And you know what, Dan? I feel just as good about this one as I have about any of the ones ever. I think I feel even better. This is maybe the earliest I've ever placed the ankle lock. I'm starting to Listeners, for your... For full disclosure, I placed this one long before Reese and I talked about it today. So this is, I've just been sitting on it. The other thing, too, that's shocking, this might be like a first in ankle lock history, but I have had this in multiple parlays all week as well. I haven't placed it straight, but I've had this one as like the, the parlay anchor, and I didn't find out Dan was eyeing it for ankle lock until, I mean, we talked ankle lock. So this is... This is definitely a first. A lot of confidence in it. Lay it straight for all you guys who've been following. I know you enjoy it. But, yeah. So, anyways, there's just a lot of changes coming up going into 2022. Season three is set to spread. There will be videos done. We also are going to – we have a couple other things in the works. I don't want to get jump – get the – what is it called? The wagon in front of the horse? Something like that. Cart before the horse. Cart before the horse. There we go. So, whatever. We're going to get into some news and notes this week. Break down the card. Not a great betting card from from what it, from the surface, but I think Danny and I might have a couple of good plays. And then if Parker ever shows up, we might talk jits for a little bit. Uh, let's get into news and notes while we're here. And going to go back just a little bit to the end of UFC 269 from Dana's presser. A couple of notes from his presser. Um, first off, Dana had mentioned that Gaethje probably, or I'll, I'll get his exact quote, but Gaethje getting the next shot makes the most sense. So that's talking about the lightweight title strap. I don't really so, think that was even like, I didn't think that was even a discussion. I watched the post-fight presser and they're like, they're like basically Gaethje's ready, calling a shot. Gaethje wanted one more, got the dub, and, and Dana's just like, yeah, that's kind of what we're going to do. Um, yeah, I'm cool with it. But one thing though is Connor obviously is making noise on Twitter again. 
calling for the strap. I, I know that's probably a fight that interests Oliveira just from a money standpoint. But at the same time, like how shitty would it feel if Connor comes in, beats Oliveira, and now all of a sudden you got him talking this talk when he really doesn't deserve a title shot in all honesty. So I don't know. We'll see how that plays out. But my guess would be Gaethje, especially because Connor's healing up. Connor's been all over the map while we're here. That was actually another piece that I wanted, but he tweeted out, I mean, slightly cryptic, but it was basically the Brazil and Ireland flags too. So he's talking about Aldo there, hopefully. Mm. Or maybe. Mm. That'd be awesome. But, but, but we got a 55 McGregor and a 35 Aldo. So how are, do right. they, meet it, they meet at 45? 45 probably is what it had to be. That'd be the only way. But you know what? I don't want to see Aldo stop his tear at 35. He looks as good as he's ever been. And I, I know the money fight's there, and obviously he wants that redemption and to fight more than 10 seconds. But I think he can make a run at Piotr Jan, and I'm not sure he can beat him. That fight didn't go well. We, we've mentioned a couple of times, but he looks great. Dude, I also think that, like, I also don't know why Connor with 150 million in the bank would want to cut. I mean, people are talk making memes while he's walking around at 180 right now. Imagine cutting to 45. I don't know that as much as I'd like to see that, I think it'd be best if that fight doesn't get made, but who knows? We're not the money guys. It does seem like a lot of weight to one cut and one put on. And it, it just seems like a little bit of a reach for now. Um, while we're on kind of next fights, also from the presser, Dana pointed out that Amanda Nunez deserves a rematch with Juliana Pena next. So I, I, I don't know. I know I don't want to rehash wounds with you guys at this point, but what yeah, do you I think mean that that's exactly what out? you're doing. That's exactly what you're doing. <laughs> I'm just trying not to get heated at this point because I still am having ramen for dinner, and you're sitting here fucking joking around about rematch, she match. What do you think that line opens at? Nunez minus fucking seven hundred again. Like it, it this, but like. If it's not rigged, it, it that's an easy casher, but I'm not I'm done. I've lost all faith in the fact that I'm done. That was some that was some she tapped like chicken. Yeah, that was bad. All right, bad question from Country Club. Um, <laughs> yeah. Just, now now my mood just soured. I I just <laughs> um we already touched on this just a little bit in the recap, but officially Cody Garbrandt got cut too. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. I, I tweeted that in, in our little chat that we had. Not surprised. And Reese, I don't know if you can confirm this, but I saw a tweet saying that John Jones had also been removed from the rankings. Is that now, true? That I cannot confirm. Did you see it from the I same, saw it this morning. From the same source that I sent to the group? No, it looked of the same format, but someone else had posted a screenshot. Mm, I feel like that'd be everywhere, don't you think? I'm yeah, looking probably. at the pound for pound rankings, and he's not on there now. Hmm. Oh, he well, is. That, he is. He, he's on the pound for pound rings, but he's okay, not the other thing, in the heavy or light heavy. Well, the other thing I was going to say is even more over than that, like he could be removed from the rankings for an activity, but still be under contract. I think Garbrandt actually fully got released. Um, but dude, honestly, as every day goes by, I think less and less likely, I think we see John again. Yeah. No disagreement for me. Um, all right, spinning away from UFC 269, Eagle FC was all over the news today. That's yep, yep, Khabib's yep. Set, whatever promo that he's 
kicking up and talking about weight classes, talking about fighters, talking about um, who's on the broadcast team. But it sounds like they're going to have every weight class not fly up through heavy. No. Um, nope. No, slight adjustment. They're, I mean, they have options <laughs> yeah, for everyone. Aggressive but, nope. Well, no, it's awesome because they're coming out with, I don't know what they're calling it yet, but they're going to have all the divisions between 55 and 90. So I think it's 65, 75, and 85 are all going to be divisions. So the guys like Chiesa and Kevin Lee, who I think you're about to bring up, have a nice little home at Eagle FC. Yeah, but so I'm not wrong. I there is no flyweight. There's no 125. Right. No, you you're what you said about every weight class. There's no 170. There's no right. um, So they're going every 10 pounds from 135 through heavy, which is okay. Yes, bring in new weight classes. Wait, 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 wait. So there's gonna be a 205, 215, 225. That doesn't seem no, no, nothing after 205. Okay, so okay, okay, okay. Now I'm with you. Um, I mean, but. You, you mentioned Kiesa's name. Kiesa, there's no way Kiesa has any interest in fighting for Eagle FC, right? I mean, I mean not, not, not at the moment, but I think that I, – I, I mean, I know Khabib has plans to have 15 or so shows in the U.S. next year. That's what I, I was going to ask, too. I think there's a big chance that a lot of fighters that are stuck in the middle of that 155, 170, no man's land seriously consider Khabib and, and, and some chic oil money. I think that it's going to be very profitable – I think it's going to be popular in America. I think it's got, like Kobe's about to bring up, a good broadcast team, um, some big names to, to headline some fights, and I think it's going to be successful. Khabib's a smart guy. So I'll just throw that broadcast team in there now that we're mentioning it, but Felicia Spencer and Henry Cejudo are part, both part of it. Okay. Weird. I don't particularly like either of them, to be honest with you. Guys but they move the needle. The and if they, yeah, exactly. That's what it is. I mean, no, I mean, I guess, but it's like, okay, well, I guess this even confirms more that Cejudo is probably not making a return. (laughs) Dude, dude could have really just built a, he just, whatever. Uh, That's another tangent, but yeah, I mean this, this, I know the Kevin Lee signing got some traction just talking about Eagle FC, but it's like, I mean, at 15 fights a year in the U S maybe more internationally, it's like, I feel like it'll always be, at least at, at most second fiddle. Yeah. I, I don't think in the next five years, it's even going to try and be competing with uh, the UFCs and the Bellators. But I do think that, especially if they sign a good deal with like a, a flow grappling or like a UFC fight pass and, and get on a good platform, I think that they're going to be just as popular as an the LFA other big, or a cage warriors. The or, other big, uh, big question. And, and it, it's a question that's important for us here is will they have betting lines on these? I mean, because you see a lot of promotions who don't have betting lines, but then like the bigger promotions like LFA, you know, PFL, Bellator, they all do. But like some of the other ones don't. And so you would need to get, because like, who are you going to match up with Kevin Lee where it's like, there's worth making a betting line out there. The only major promotion I know of that doesn't have regular betting lines is one. And it's because a lot of their fights are broadcast on tape delay, which just adds Mm. to like the whole. Yeah. No, yeah, no, as far as as far as main promotions, but like what you'll see a lot is promotions have like only like the main card or top three fights have lines and the undercard doesn't. You see that you even see that in Bellator sometimes. Um, but yeah, you know, does Ryzen have lines? I don't know if Invicta has lines. I I don't know. Yeah, whatever, not here nor there. It's just something interesting because like 
I think that could push the envelope even farther. That was pretty much everything I wanted to cover about Eagle FC. We've got a couple of fight announcements and movement, so we can roll with that unless you guys got anything else here. Head on. Go into it. So specific to UFC 271 in Houston in February, Jared Brunson mm -hmm. and Jared Cannonier got moved and Derek off of Brunson, UFC. But yeah. Jared Brunson. I was like, I've got the Mavs game on in the corner. I almost went Jalen Brunson, but I knew that oh, was okay. wrong. And then I had the J yeah. stuck in my head. Well, when you <laughs> said Jared, no, I didn't mean to be like that dick who corrects you. More just like so everyone knows it's it's it is the Brunson you're thinking of, Derek. Derek Brunson, Jared Cannonier got moved off of UFC 270 and on to 271, which will be in Houston on February 12th, with many of the ankle pick pod boys in attendance. So that's just an exciting one for us, but for a little that. bit of delayed gratification for everybody else. Um, and then only one fight announcement this week. Mike Grundy and Makwan Amir Khani for March 19th. Nice. Interesting. Um, yeah, I, I, I also was thinking, I saw an interesting tweet today about, and I think we should do it for our re, uh, end of year show, is predict the champions uh, a year from now in each division. I think that'd be fun. Oh yeah. That could be part I think, of Cause I think there's a lot recap. of, I think there's a lot of movement to be had uh, between a lot of these divisions. Uh, and it'll be, and I'm also interested to see who we think stays like, like a guy like Usman or, or whatnot. Does Kamzat take it in a year? Who knows? You know, it's crazy. Sorry, that, that has nothing to do with news and notes. <laughs> no, but that's a good segue into what we can do next week. Next week is our plan to recap 2021 that was the UFC 2021 calendar year and talk about fighter of the year, fight of the year, whatnot. We'll get some participation. You can go on over on Twitter at AnklePickPod and uh, take from there. But that can definitely be included. We can talk about, you know, I don't know if there's official lines on who would be holding straps at the end of the year, but maybe we can even make lines about that and yeah, we'll talk do some, through with each other. I'm looking. Yeah. I mean, I just was thinking about that. Cause I saw a tweet and the guy who tweeted it, can't remember his handle. I apologize, but he had like, I think almost every single belt had a different holder. Um, including 25. He had Askarov 70 had Kamzad. There was a couple really interesting ones. Um, he had uncle. I have it. 205 yeah oh so you saw too yeah yeah uncle yep. live at 205 yeah so it, it was a it was like an interesting list um so i don't know something fun to see where we where we stand and maybe get get the original creditor and talk about it, where, where we differ and whatnot but bobby nuts at 205 i mean i know 185 but i fit a bin on oh, i'm sorry nuts. 185 Dude, it's always been bobby knuckles and that's why and that's why you see izzy running he was like do you see that? That was the other thing that Dana White post, uh, post fight presser. They're like, "Hey, Izzy just tweeted a baseball cap uh, in in regards to the fight announcement for Bob Whitaker, and that it was and and cap is slang, millennial slang for a lie." And Dana was like, "What? Like, what the fuck are we even talking about?" And they're like, "Yeah, Izzy say you liar." So Izzy doesn't want that fight, and there's reasons for it. Izzy's already signed. Yeah, now they're, they're marking yeah. it. Now he has. 
I don't know. It's well, before. Hopefully, be, we'll we'll get there. We'll be there before in we get off fight announcements. I've got myself an event announcement. Oh, here we go. What's it called again, Dan? Grappling news or something? Uh, <laughs> news I've got from it the grappling head. grapevine. Yep, that <laughs> was it. News from the grappling grapevine. News from the grappling grapevine. Um, in addition to what's happening tonight, if you're listening uh, on Thursday, December sixteenth, there was another grappling event that has just been announced this one on december 30th to right before the new year this will also be featured on fight pass it's a fury grappling event um this one's gonna feature they haven't booked opponents yet but the first four matchups are gonna have one half being pat sabatini the next one one half andre petrosky next one neil magny the next one sean brady and this will be capped off by a three fight Main card, Chase Hooper, Hanato Moicano, Cody Hamrock, Kevin Holland, and Danielle Kelly versus Thug Rose, Nama Yunus. Any comments, Reese and Kobe? <laughs> no, no, I, I, I know just, all I, those names. Not only that, but I don't want to, I don't even want to come in after you because the excitement level is just unmatchable. I mean, I am excited. There's a lot of fun events this December. It seems like with the UFC taking a, a little bit of a break, these UFC fighters are getting a chance to go compete on, on Fight Pass uh, for our enjoyment. And like I mentioned on, on Set the Spread in a second ago, there is an event tonight. There are lines out for it. Um, if you have an awesome book, mine doesn't have it. But aside from the Elimination Grappling Tournament that we talked about, there are four featured bouts. Uh, the first one, I think, being Ben Saunders, Benson Henderson. Benson, I mean, a legend of the sport guy who fought Michael Chandler. I mean, absolutely everyone. Um, as of right now, is on a pretty significant losing streak over in Bellator, but that's not to be taken that away from him. Versus Ben Saunders, who himself had a pretty extensive UFC career, uh, fights over Matt Brown, um, Takashi Sato, Alan Jubin, um, Douglas Lima, a lot more. Followed by uh, the aforementioned Danielle Kelly, who's got Alexa Yanez, a Abu Dhabi jiu-jitsu competitor, um, on the 16th. And then Rose Nami Yunus, one of the most fearsome competitors in women's MMA, on the 30th. She's going to have an awesome month. Um, I think she's going to be a massive favorite in both of those, to be honest. Then Andy Varela, who's fresh off a submission win last Sunday over Sean Strickland. We'll be taking on Daniel Pineda. Um, Varela is probably going to be a big favorite in that one as well. And then finally, Gabriel Checo, the LFA product, the grappler who's taken on the likes of Craig Jones and Mason Fowler recently, is going to be grappling against Brendan Allen, who's looking to bounce back from that Chris Curtis loss from a couple of weeks ago. So two really awesome nights of grappling coming up this December. Hopefully we have some great lines. And if you Follow me on Twitter. I'll probably have some bets posted. Which also, in all honesty, sidebar, Dank Wagers, one of the better follows in the Twitter sphere. And, and that's not just because I, I know the young lad. It's actually just good quality content. That's, that's, that's for real. Especially that's if you like true. fights and Man City. And apparently Dank. And if you dislike is. Tim Elliott, but like <clears throat> tongue-in-cheek. But also like you. <laughs> Love, hate Tim Elliott, then you're there. Um, let's uh, transition over to PJJ. We got Parker, who did join us, after all. And 
is on the call on his way back from some sort of lesson. Uh, well, it wasn't a jiu-jitsu lesson today, unfortunately. But um, I did have some good ones over the weekend, and I have uh, scheduled some for this coming Sunday. A little milestone mark for me. So I still have my white belt, but I did get my first stripe. Boom. So Let's go. Poha. Poha. So I got three more to go there until I get my combatant's belt. But uh, I'm patient, I'm excited, and I'm eager. Uh, so last week, we worked on um, not as much last week because once I got my stripe, I had to go through all of everything that I've already like done leading up to. So there's about like 15 different sessions that I had. Um, but it was double uh, double ankle sweep from the guard, a guillotine choke guard pull. And then the, uh, the last one was a headlock escape number two. So I did number one a few weeks prior. Um, so that's from the side mount. It's, it's, and then we work on that through a uh, clinch conservative. Mm. See, now, he's, now he's starting to advance past, past a lot of the terms that I know. Um, I mean, I'm happy to go run through all of these with you. It's, it's nothing too crazy. I think it's just Gracie's way of just describing stuff, but essentially like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure I know the techniques. It's just interesting terminology. And it's actually, I'm starting to swell up just hearing you talk about it. And that's not a lie. That's, that's legit. I, I you know, obviously I know, I know so little about the sport and I'm just learning, but something I, I thought I, I knew is I'd only thought there was a four punch block series, a punch block one through four. But I guess uh, next week I'm learning punch block stage five. So I have no insight on that quite yet, but uh, I'm excited to learn it. I'm excited. This is going to, this is really going to just enhance your excitement into this beautiful sport. And Parker, tomorrow or tonight, if our listeners are listening, um, 7.30 rolls around. You flipping your TV to Thursday night football or are you throwing on the inaugural uh, fight pass invitational. Uh, my TV will be on football, but I got a computer, which is, I can gladly put onto that. Okay. okay. You'll want get, to, it's going to, you'll want to, you get that combatives belt. It'll swap. Trust me. I'm sure it will, but I can't lie to our viewers here. Of course. Wouldn't. Yeah. Wouldn't, wouldn't dream of lying. I, I got some fantasy, uh, stakes on the line. I'm making the playoffs after a year off. So, uh, oh, ha. Yeah, I don't want to talk about that. Poha, poha. All right, getting into this week's card. We got more stuff. Let's do it. This week's card. Okay. This week's card and also the last of the calendar year 2021. UFC Lewis versus Daukus. Danny and I disagreed, but a uh, little sidebar. I So last week, set the spread if you didn't listen. Ended in an unsurprising Danny victory, so we tied Went into a sudden death, used the main event, and it, it led to a Malort bet. So I got Daukus. He's got Lewis. Loser takes Malort. Shout out Jepson's Malort. Also sponsor of PJJ Corner. And also the little koozie I'm rocking right now at the moment in time as well. So always nice on that front. So Dan, Cheers let's kick to Malort. Two fifties to Malort. Bingo. Uh, prelim bout. 155. Matt. Siles versus Jordan Levitt. A couple notes here. Matt Siles usually competes at 40, uh, 45 missed weight in his last bout, and it's now up to 55. So that's a little bit of a change there for him. Um, and, yeah, you're looking at a guy who's one and two in the UFC versus one and one Jordan Levitt. Most people know him for the, the Chris uh, Weidman slam 
not Chris Weidman, Matt Weidman. And the other thing too, is this line is a little interesting. It opened at Jordan Levitt minus 250 is currently sitting at 110 each way. And I know you said a little pre-show that you lean Jordan Levitt. Yeah, I'd, I'd definitely lean Jordan Levitt. And this one's one that's going to, going to see my card at minus 120 or minus 115. I'm even seeing, I think he's going to have a major grappling advantage. We saw sales get ragdolled by Bryce Mitchell. He put him in a twister. Yeah, that was fun. Like he could have ended that fight so many ways. And as you mentioned, that was down at 145. Levitt's a really, really phenomenal grappler. He does. He obviously doesn't have the striking to match, but I think he's going to go through positions on Matt sales, like a knife going through butter. And it's just, I think he's going to get the sub. And will will anything with Jordan Levitt's name on it, whether it's like a sprinkle on a prop or just straight up, will have a a, da- a dank wager backing? Or yeah, no, Jordan Levitt will okay. be on my card for sure. Okay, so for me, this is a this is a uh, a pass for me. Jordan Levitt, his striking is extremely raw, very slow, leaves himself wide open when he hawks leg kicks. I mean, wide open, consistently drops his hands. And just overall, very slow striker. Dan is right, though. His grappling is phenomenal. But you saw him losing grappling exchanges in that loss to Pues, Pueles, who we just recently capped Dan. Claudio worked well for us. And then on the other side, you got a guy who is a phenomenal striker, but his his wrestling and his takedown offenses beyond sus, getting absolutely dominated the entire time for Bryce Mitchell, had no real answer to it. And then even in that Kyle Nielsen fight, that I watched back as well. He was in a lot of compromising positions before he himself got the sub. But I mean, when we, we mean compromising positions, I mean, his back was taken for a while. So yeah, I just think for a hard earned money aspect, I would, I don't trust either of these guys. They both have two glaring poles each side, but I will be rooting for Levitt, Dan, um, for your Appreciate sake. it. Yeah, of course. Next fight up, prelim bout 265. Dontel Mays, 8 and 4 versus Josh Parisian, 14 and 4. And Dontel Mays is 1 and 2 in the UFC. Josh Parisian, 1 and 1. The line opened at 140 in favor of Dontel Mays, currently 200, um, which is <laughs> steep to say the least. But I personally, Dan, like Dontel Mays there at the 200. For those who follow me at uh, Kingpin MMA on Twitter, Roque Martinez, a guy who's a mutual combatant of each of them, I, I reached out to him and I said, hey, Roque, who you liking? He likes Parisian via decision. I personally like Dontel Mays here. I think Dontel Mays is the better striker, the crisper striker, and something that you noticed over the progression of his fights, at least I noticed, was his cardio improvements. I mean, he fought gone. Had his moments there. Great footwork. Both of them were so light on the feet for heavyweight. On the other side, you got a guy who, in Parisian who is who gasses out faster than anyone and likes to stand and and it almost acts as a punchy bag. Even Roque closed the distance well, got under hooks, dominated him in the clinch, beat him up in, in some dirty boxing. It's just, I think this is Dantel's fight to lose, and apparently Sharps agree with the movement 60 points in the opposite direction. It is interesting, though. I mean, Roque fought both of these guys and, and somehow gives the edge to Parisian, even though he fared much better against Parisian from the tape. Yeah, I, I mean, you saw the exact same things as me. I was commenting about uh, Maze's cardio being why I think that I lean towards him. 
Uh, Parisian likes those spinning attacks, and I think the more efficient technical striking for Mays will just get it done, being that he's longer, can land that jab. And, yeah, I don't know if I love the 200, but I definitely don't see myself playing Josh Parisian in this fight at all. So I agree. I don't love the 200, but I, I actually – this one will see my card. Um, I think 200 is is just on the the fringe of being a reasonable price to pay. I think that if you miss it any further, I think if it drifts into like the 230s, 240s, you got to pass. But is is as long as it stays at 200 or under, I think it's safe enough to play. Maybe risk two units to win one. So what's next here? We got... Raquel Pennington versus Macy Chison. Glad to see Macy Chison back. I feel like we haven't seen her in a couple of years. Um, nothing crazy here. I mean, we all know Raquel Pennington fought for the title a while back, had some struggles, uh, troubles with COVID. Three and two in her last five. Macy four and one in her last five. One thing, Dan, that that I took away from Macy, she has been minus five hundred in every single fight she's been in, except. I believe her debut against Renault or her or is her lat most recent fight against Renault. I, I do not remember which one, but every other fight she's been over minus 450, which is crazy. Um, but she lost one when she was minus 450 to Lena Landsberg. The line opened at minus 185 it, or no minus 300 for Raquel Pennington and is currently minus 185 for Raquel Pennington. So sharp action seemingly on Chison, but Pennington's still the favorite. Yeah, and I, I definitely lean Pennington here. I think the line movement's a blessing. She likes to make fights boring, holding top pressure, holding people against the cage. She's very strong, very smart when it comes to winning rounds. And although Macy's younger and, and probably the better striker, like you said, she's been a massive favorite the majority of her career. I don't know if she can really swim out of deep depths if, if Raquel tries to drag her down there. And I don't think that Raquel's going to give her the opportunity to demonstrate that she's the better striker really at all. I, yeah. I like Raquel a lot here. <clears throat> I like Raquel a lot too. And the other thing about this one that's interesting is M Macy, out of all her fights in the UFC, the, the most similar, both stylistically, but also like experience wise is her one loss to Landsberg where she was minus four fifty. Landsberg, kind of had her way in the clinch and when it hit the mat there was Macy really didn't have an answer and I when you look at a girl like Landsberg Raquel Pennington is just an upgraded version of her wrestling an upgraded version of her clinch work and so unless Macy has made phenomenal strides in that department I think this is going to be a tough tough fight for her to overcome um, so I, I think the 185 is that God bless that line movement probably parlayable then also the over, I think, is probably pretty safe as well. I don't think either of these girls are going to get the finish. Raquel is tough as they come. Also, like you said, likes to just kind of grind it out, make it a little bit boring, but fight her style. Over was kind of heavy, though. Over was something like minus 250, over two and a half. But, I mean, if you parlay that and, and Raquel or that and Dantel, I, I really do think you have a winning bet there. Yeah. Prelim bout. Oh, by the way. 14 fights on this card altogether, and the prelims start at 3 p.m. Central, 4 p.m. Eastern time. So knock on wood, there's no scratches, but we're going to have a full night here. Charles Jordan versus Andre Ewell at 145. 
Charles Jordan, 11, four and one. And he's two and two, three and one in the UFC, four and four for Andre Ewell. But these guys, the storyline to this, Dan, is split decisions, man. I mean, they both have like two or three split decisions apiece. Um, or, oh, I see four for Andre Ewell. Um, and then there's th- two for Drew Jordan plus a split draw for against Koulibaly. I mean, these guys just cannot seem to, to find themselves out of unanimous decision. But nonetheless, you got Charles Jordan and Andre Ewell, two guys who love to strike. And the line here is Andre Ewell's plus 170. Charles Jordan is minus 200. But the open was only minus 225 for Jordan. So this fight has seen very little action as a whole, but also very little movement. Yeah, and the reason for the inflated line is that Ewell's moving up to 145 for the first time in his career. Mm. Um, he's a guy who likes to fight at range, and he should have a sizable reach advantage here. But Jordan is a really, really, really well-rounded mixed martial artist. He's good at chopping his opponent's legs and then just kicking to the body and mixing that up. He only tends to struggle when he's just pressured and, and put on his back heel on his heels for 15 minutes. But I don't think that's what Ewell's going to do. And I don't even think that's what Ewell's going to try and do. I don't think that Jordan's going to really have a ton of trouble closing the distance, um, getting around Ewell's jab and, and, and just landing those punches, maybe going to the body and slowing them down. But I like Jordan a lot here. I don't think that it's going to see my card, but I wasn't surprised by the line. <clears throat> There's a pass for me as well. Um, that's so that's interesting that this is his first fight at 45. I wonder if, I don't recall you having consistent weight issues. Um, one of the things though, for me, that was not in the right direction is some of the victories he had and lines he had. I mean, he was minus against Jonathan Martinez, which I found interesting. Uh, small dog against Julio Arce. I mean, these are like high, high level mixed martial artists, but again, at 35 and this move to 45 and a guy like Charles Jordan, who young 26 and has also fought, I mean, not high level competition, but like Duho Choi, Andre Feely, Desmond Green, like and Julio Arce, or and not Julio Arce, but um, Andre Ewell is getting knocked out by guys like Julio Arce at Bantamweight. And it, it's right. not so much that you just don't cut the extra 10 pounds and your chin's that much better. These guys at right, 45, right, right. man, they hit harder. I think it's got to, from the tape, though, for me, it's got to be a pass. I just think 200 steep. I wish it was lower. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously people are like, oh, well, obviously you wish. I mean, but I mean, like, I, I think this could be lower. Um and, and the movement isn't all too interesting, but it, it is interesting that the movement has seemingly come on Yule's behalf, which is interesting. Um, okay, next up, Sajar Eubanks, Melissa Gatto. And this is something that is a fight that you fill your drinks up and get your beers and whatever. Um, we got a, sorry, my thing's being weird. Uh, 125 prelim fight, undefeated technically, Melissa Gatto, 7 0 and 2. For seven and six, Sajara Eubanks, which is just comically um, hilarious. And Sajara's minus 160, Melissa Gatto plus 140. But Dan, here's the kicker to this Melissa Gatto opened at minus 130, and the line is, has not only flipped to her being the dog, but flipped to her being a dog at 130 or 140 price, which is like shows a lot of money coming in on the other side. And that is Sajara Eubanks. And for me, 
the fight that I chose to pick and really try to understand were two. The Pennekonzed fight um, and the, the Ketlin Vieira fight. And both of which, obviously, Sajar Eubanks, it, it didn't go her way. Um, but both via decision. And she didn't really have her moments in those fights, which were disappointing to me. So, I, you know, I don't these 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 middling 125ers, especially for women's. I I don't know what to make of this, and I'm assuming you're gonna have some sort of science textbook here or something, some 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 sort of science report, a lab report. But I other than that, I don't know how else you can play this one other than just fill up your beers, go to the bathroom, and and get some snacks. I mean, the the lab report is the same science I've been talking about all year. Dogger pass. Sarge is gonna gas after round one. Uh, surprise, she is stronger surprise. than Gatto, but I see them pretty evenly matched on the feet. And Gatto has very good jits. I wouldn't be surprised if Gatto got the sub. And I'm going to be even less surprised when Sajara Eubanks is sucking wind three minutes into the fucking fight. So, yeah, like Reese said, go fill up your beer. If you need to play this because someone's got a gun to your head and, and you owe your bookie or some crap, play Gatto, <laughs> play Gatto by sub. But, yeah, this, this is not a fight yeah, where I'm. Is, yeah, I'm with you. Gato by subs at interesting angle. Another prelim fight. Another heavyweight bout as well. A lot of heavyweights on this card. Justin Taffa versus Harry Hunsucker. And this one's really weird. Harry Hunsucker is a guy who I believe got... So he's on his contender series, lost. Jared Vendera, a guy who made it to the UFC. Go, get, goes on the regional scene, wins. Comes back to fight Tui Vasa kind of as a covid type villain fighter. Doesn't make a lot of roster noise. I actually got an alert that he wasn't on the roster. And then I recently got an alert that he got re-added to the roster in this fight for Justin Taffa. So I don't think Dana looks at him as much more than a body. Justin Taffa on the other side is four and three record here. Um, losing every single one of his UFC bouts, including to Jared Vendera, a similar opponent. Except the only one he has is that victory against Juan Adams, who's fighting on the regional scene right now. Um, and, and had very little, I mean, he's losing on the regional scene in, in theory FC, very little. He really didn't have any resistance in the UFC. So it, it's, this one to me is, is impossible to trust putting your money on, on, a, on two heavyweights who realistically are like the bottom, bottom rung, including Tafa. Now here's even the kicker. The line, Dan is Tafa minus three twenty. Hunsucker plus 260. So not only is Hunsucker a massive dog, but but as he should be, but Taffa finds himself as a favorite being four and three, one and three in the UFC. I mean, this one's just like a, it could only be a trap in my opinion. I don't really know how to play this. This one's a major pass for me, yeah. uh, but I do want to just throw some topper respect. I scored that Carlos Felipe fight for him. So in my head, he's two and two and I, I don't know. I think he's a lot better than Harry Hunsucker, but heavy. But not three twenty line yeah. for my money, no sir. Yeah, I'm with you. I this one was, I honestly didn't even tape as much as I usually do for this one when I saw the initial line because it just didn't interest me. I, yeah, I, you're. I I didn't think I could find anything here that could really make this fight you're, valuable. You're a Harry Hunsucker if you're if you're playing this. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Honey Barsolas versus Victor Henry. Victor Henry, I believe, is making his UFC debut. Um, I don't want to be quoted on that. Yeah, he is. Mm -hmm. He is. Now, this guy's interesting, though, because for a couple reasons. One, he's been fighting professionally since 2010. 
34 years old, long time to make your UFC debut. But, like, he just has a win in no way. Um, he actually has a win in lights out extreme fighting, Sean Merriman's promotion over Albert Morales, believe it or not. Shout out Sean Merriman. And he's coming over to the UFC for the first time. And he's fighting a guy like Honey Barsolas, who, although 34, although relatively inactive, has had a lot of success in the UFC since his his debut, beating guys like Chris Gutierrez, Saeed Nurmagomedov, uh, Khalid Taha, just his only loss coming to Timur Valiev, who who we obviously are big Timur fans, so not unsurprising on our end. But the line, Honey Barsolos minus 330, Victor Henry, uh, UFC newcomer at plus 270, and it, it opened at 285 for Barsolos and has come all the way up. So a lot of money, a lot of movement favoring or, or coming in our, on Barsolos. Yeah, and I think that'll continue to move. Although Victor Henry is a decent prospect from Ryzen taking this fight on short notice, I, I'm not trying to say that he's a COVID fighter because he's not. He would actually, I think, beat a lot of guys at the bottom of this roster. But to a guy like Hayoni Barcelos, I think he is just a body, um, especially on short notice. He, he's very tough and he's got a decent submission game. But like we said, he wouldn't normally get signed at age 34 if it wasn't a short notice fight. It, it just seems a little bit like they just needed someone. And, and Barcelos is not going to worry about Henry's submission game. He, he's just going to box him up and knock him out probably. Um, if you're going to play this, maybe Barcelos by knockout, but I don't want to play this fight, and I'm, I'm just going to be looking for the fireworks. Couldn't agree more. Now, this next fight's interesting as well. It's Gerald GM3 Mearshart, who famously uh, – Won by sub last round, but famously called out Kamzat just to lose in legitimately first punch versus Dustin Stolfsis. And this one's interesting for, for a couple reasons. One, Gerald Mershart opened at minus 255, and he is sitting in the minus 200 to 255 range right now. He's minus uh, 230 over on five dimes, which we, is the usual lines we use. He opened at 255, so not a whole lot of movement. But this is the first time, Dan... Gerald Mershart has been a minus in a fight since Trevin Giles in 2019. And then before the Trevin Giles fight, he hasn't been a favorite since 2017 when he fought Eric Spicely. He's been an underdog in every single fight since. And so. But tell I mean, me this. Yeah. Has he or has he not looked phenomenal since that Hamza loss? Bartos yeah. and Mahmoud Muradov are not yeah. walkover fighters. No, no, not at all. And I, I think GM3, albeit he is one-dimensional and he leans that sub game heavy, I, I no, the Mahmoud Muradov is a phenomenal win. I mean, we're talking like, I mean, Bartos Fabinski, I think he actually got cut recently, but he's, I mean, he's fighting high-level talent. Eric Anders, Ian Heinish, I mean, Kevin Holland, Jack Romanson. It's not like he's a scrub by any means, but I just think he leans very heavily on the submission game. And if you have a guy on who can defend the submissions or similar, similar, you, you, more likely than not, they'll be a, a little bit more polished of a striker. I, I don't know. I think that this fight is going to be a GM three decision, ride him out, mm. grapple him. I think that if a guy like Stoltzfus 
Couldn't did you watch that Hidalfo Vieira fight versus Dolphus? Yeah, I did. And although it took Hidalfo a little bit longer than I expected. And to a lot of him, gas too, though. A lot of gas too. He was, that one was. But did you notice that Stoltzfus couldn't outstrike a guy like Hidalfo Vieira? And if you can't outstrike Hidalfo Vieira, a smart veteran like GM3 is not going to let you outstrike him. I think he's going to have a lot of ride time. I think he's going to have a lot of top position. I don't think I think he doesn't lean on that submission threat as much as he is just a, I think he's a lethal submission artist and it happens to be how he wins a lot of fights because guys don't like getting ridden for 15 minutes. I mean, are you willing to play the minus 225 on Gerald, the guy who hasn't been favored in in fucking You might you might see him in a parlay of mine. Wow. I, I genuinely think Stoltzfus is just not at the same level of GM3. I think I that Stolzis would be a huge dog against both Bartos Rabinsky and Mahmoud Muradov. The, uh, you have me sold. It's it's the line that, like, I really do believe GM3 is going to win. I just don't believe that 225 or 250 is a reasonable or a, a price that you can pay, even against a guy like Dustin Stolzis, who probably will find his way out after dropping this one. Okay. Believe it or not, I, this feels like a rapid podcast, but we already are on the main card. Um, GM three is the prelim capper here. And we do have kind of a robust is the word I'm going to use main card, six fights, um, including the ankle lock and a Malort bet. So this is a wild one. A couple. I also see 6 PM central. Kobe, why you have to bring that up? You're just I'm you're just bringing just, all the bad news. This, yeah, I was about to say country episode. clubs. Country club woke up and chose violence today. That's what it seems like. So I'm assuming we have Parker props locked and loaded, um, and we'll just hit it off the main card, starting with Darren the Damage Elkins versus Cub Swanson, and this one was one that I was way off on setting the line. Danny was way closer. I actually had. Darren Elkins as a, a small favorite, which aged so fucking poorly. Right now, Cub Swanson, the veteran, minus 190 versus the other vet. Darren, the damage, plus 165. And the line at open was a little closer to me being right. Cub minus 155, right around where Danny had it, plus 135 for Elkins. I mean, my my whole reason here is you look at a guy like Cub, and he's a guy who's been – He's been fighting as long as I've been a fan of the sport. I mean, the WEC days, he has some crazy wins over some crazy names, some crazy fights over some crazy some crazy names. And he's fought Aldo, Mendez, Pulver. I mean, he's fallen to all those guys, but still big, big time names. But he has a win over Chucky Olives, who's currently the lightweight champion. And Dustin Poirier, he has a win over Jeremy Steele. I mean, we're talking about a guy who's a very serious competitor for a very, very long time. However, he's fallen on tough times uh only being able to beat daniel pineda and chrome gracie in his last eight uh attempts here so i don't know man that quick finish to giga to me was the worst we've seen yet and i haven't seen a bettable cub swanson in a very long time the damage on the other hand is in a similar spot i mean he's losing guys ryan hall nate landwehr ricardo lamos volkanovsky although he didn't get finished there and then he's beating Dennis Bermudez, Michael Johnson, Mizrod Bektik, and one of the best comebacks of all time. I think both of these guys are too 
wild and too, not wild, but too inconsistent and too different to really place hard-earned money on either of them. I'm intrigued to see if Dank Wagers has a different take. I, I don't have a different take. I'm not going to play this one. I thought you were going to say that you were going to play Elkins just because. No, the of the more I ta- yeah, the more I taped, I I realized that it's like. It, it, it setting him as a favorite is, is was a, a tough scene. It's it really shows how much the taping helps. I mean, Cubs should be the favorite here, but like, I can't comfortably bet him there either. You know. Yeah, I see Swanson as having an advantage technically on the feet, better better mind better veteran mindset. Um, but I think that Elkins one has the jujitsu advantage, but two is kind of going to drag this into a war. I think this is going to be an ugly fight and not one that. I'm comfortable with hitting the scorecards either way. I think there's going to be one where anyone who bet on this is going to be really, really, really sweating it out. Um, no, for what sure. I was going to say devil's advocate, if you were betting Elkins is the guys you mentioned that Cub has beaten recently, Pineda and Crone are also similar to Elkins guys that have really strong jujitsu. And yeah. maybe, maybe this is a style of fight that is good for Cub, but that was really just to play devil's advocate because I thought yeah, you were going to no, play Cub Elkins. also has very, very strong jiu-jitsu. And the, the split decision over Shane Burgos, it was a loss. But the fact that, I mean, that aged quite well. Um, it just, I mean, it, it's clear to me that Cub is the better fighter. He's the more athletic fighter. And he's the fighter that has significantly more experience. It's just Darren Elkins is such a tough guy to get out of there. And and at 38, almost 39 for Cub, I just don't know how much gas is still there. I mean, it's not that Elkins is youthful. Don't get that part twisted. It's just a weird fight. Um, no, I agree. There's definitely something that drops off in this sport around age 35, 36. And, 36, and it's your yeah. chin, your your speed, it's everything. Speed. And, and, and that's the I'll thing. Bring, is, yeah. No, you're put, a, put a pin in that. Remember that. That we agreed yeah. on that because we'll yeah. talk about that a little later. I don't doubt that. Where we might talk about it here. Diego Ferreira uh, at one. Oh no, Parker's prop first. Parker, Cub Swanson, Darren Elkins. What are you liking? Swanson decision plus one seventy seven. Mm. I don't love it, but I'm, that's what I'm racking. No, with. honestly, that I do kind of love that. I mean, if it's gonna go some way, I really don't. I don't see love. I don't love the number. Oh, I like the decision aspect though. Yeah, I. I, I do too. I just I wish it was a little higher. These are both yeah. really tough guys, and it takes a kick like Giga to make the them Giga quit. Kick. It, yeah. yeah. And Darren Darren really is impossible to get out of there. So, uh, But Diego Ferreira versus Matus Gamrat, and this is where Dan and I differed a little bit. Gamrat, obviously, if you're familiar to this podcast, you've heard his name a ton. Ferreira on the other side, old to be called a prospect, but still a very high-level guy. And Matus currently sitting at 185 on five dimes. I've seen him. Minus 185, that is, plus 160 for Ferreira. But I do see him with some twos in front of his name across the board. This line opened at, at Gamrat minus 190. So very little movement. And from what I see, at least on the movement chart, there also hasn't been a ton of action other than it opened at 190, had an instant burst to like 150, which means early money came on Ferreira, and it's kind of tapered back to that 190, 193 line. So... It, it seems to be mixed as a whole. There was some early movement on Ferreira, but mixed overall. And and that's kind of where I'm at on this fight, Dan. It's, the line is a great depiction of how I feel here because Diego Ferreira 
is a guy who we, we talked, he lost to Gregor Gillespie. He lost to Benel Dariush. I mean, Danel, Benel Dariush, a split decision, that is. Benel Dariush is one but he fight lost, away. I mean, split is generous. He lost that fight. I agree. But Benel Dariush is one fight away from fighting for the title here. And Gregor Gillespie, other than the fluke, I don't want to say fluky, but the head kick to Kevin Lee has had nothing but but phenomenal performances inside the UFC. And, and I absolutely phenomenal results. Have you been confident in every moment that Gregor's been in there until Kevin Lee? Yeah. Even after Kevin Lee, I think that well, there's only been... been the Diego Ferreira fight who, who we're talking about right now is a guy who's actually somewhat high level, but like, before, I mean, when you when you're talking about heart pacing, conditioning, and wrestling, Gregor Gillespie is probably top five in 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 the lightweight division. And so it's like you got a guy who's fourteen and one facing a a veteran, and and Diego Ferrer had his moments for a while before he gassed out. If he doesn't gas out against Gam Ga- uh, Matus, I, I really do think that he's going to be able to eke out a decision. But Matus obviously is a prospect that you and I both love. And he's commurring Jeremy Stevens, fucking destroying Scott Holtzman. I'm willing to hear you out, if especially if this is something that's going to hit your card. Well, the gas out is the big if, and it will hit my card. Uh, obviously, okay, there you go. CDF is very talented, incredible grappler. He was great in those uh, transitions and in those um, scrambles against Gregor. Um, and that's coming from a 36-year-old, which we talked about. You start to slow down a little bit. And... And for I sure, think, and he has slowed. And you, and you I know, for sure. It, and he's for sure. gassing, and he is for he's sure. gassing early. But I think a 34, 33-year-old Diego Ferreira probably beats Gregor Gillespie. And so where do you hold Matus Gomerad? I mean, I know he's 31. I know he's in his prime. I know he's we hold him as a highly regarded prospect. But, like, this is something that, like, I feel like is going to bust a lot of parlays. I think that Matus – oh, I don't, I don't think Matus is going to be in a ton of parlays. I think he's a good enough know, grappler. Man. I, I think he's – I saw him at 180 today, but whatever. Um, I think he's a good enough grappler that he's not afraid or apprehensive to engage with CDF, and I don't think that CDF is going to be able to ragdoll him in any way. I think that Matus is very, very capable in it when it comes to the mat. I mean, this is a guy who's uh, accepting grappling bouts against Gary Tonin in ADCC Worlds just to say sharp. I, I wouldn't want to spend a second on the mat with him. And I think he's in a much better athlete, a much better striker. Um, and I don't even think this is the toughest fight he's had. If you hang around at KSW for a long enough, you're going to have a bunch of killers. And you look at his record and he's got, um, I mean, what was I looking at? Yeah, the the Pariah fight of, against an 18-0-1 fighter at the time. Uh, the Cavaliero fight, 16-3 and fighter at KSW. And these are, these are capable fighters, not a... I don't want to disrespect CDF, but not a 36-year-old. I no, think I that Matus is going to really, really have a lot of fun. And even watching back that Kutate Ladze fight that caught everyone off guard, I gave the first and the third rounds to Matus. Oh, and I, 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 I had to I rewatched it today too. I had Kutate Ladze personally. But like I I do I do hear all your points. And this is another one that I botched the line on set the spread and you were all over it. I was a lot closer to Ferreira. So I don't know, man. I think this could be a phenomenal coming out party for Matus Gamrat. I just wouldn't be surprised if this is something, if this is a learning experience. I think the coming out party is the, is the exactly what it's going to be. I think he's going to have a, a number next to his name come Monday morning. Wow. 
I mean, that's what he would he would snatch that from Ferreira, currently ranked 15 worldwide. I'm not sure exactly what he is in the UFC, but he's at least in the top 15. Matus on that fringe there. That's an exciting one. That That's one that's a gift for a fight night, especially be this low on a main card. Parker, where are you? I mean, there's two different sides here. So where, where, I think this is, this is going to end by sub. I've honestly been back and forth this mm. during your entire analysis on who I think is going to win by sub. I'm going to go with Ferreira by sub plus wow. 785. Wow. Wow. I like that. 785 is a price, Daniel. 785. But, but Gamrat is, is plus 800 win by sub. Oh my gosh. What is, I don't think this prop exists, but is there a prop for the fight to end by sub and you can take either guy? Uh, there is a prop, but I can't pull it up at the moment. Okay. That's an interesting take. I like that take. Hmm. It took Harry Honan seven minutes to sub Matus, and that was without getting punched in the face. How about this? I'll, Kobe, I'm switching to Gary fight, end, is. fight ends by submission. <laughs> I like that much better. Because it, it will be. I like Gamera too much. I'm It'll be a great. Line. You're on it, Parker. It's going to be a great grappling match. I'd be shocked if this stays on the feet long. Dan, are you leaning unanimous decision, or do you think this ends in the distance? I think if it ends in the distance, it's Matus, and it's probably a knockout. Interesting. I like Matus a lot. Yeah, that's been apparent. Um, and I like Matus too. I, I I think he's one of the fan favorites on this podcast, to be honest with you. I just think is a guy that gets slept on a lot, and I know 36 is the big factor in that, and the inactivity is kind of a big factor in that, but he's still dangerous. Uh-oh. And it didn't quite work out for Jan last time around, but you can't fade Polish power and get away with it. Yeah, except Jan quick tap faster than fucking Amanda Nunes, but I don't want to talk about that either. Main card, Rafael Sansao at 135, making the long-awaited return. Is his last fight that Cody's getting yeah. scouched? Yeah, it is. Wow. So a long-awaited return. He's fallen on hard times in his UFC career, taking a little bit over a year-and-a-half layoff, facing a guy in Ricky Simone who, at 29, I think it's safe to still consider him a prospect, maybe, even though he's had a lot of UFC experience and a lot of phenomenal, phenomenal performances, beating Montel Jackson, Marab Davalashvili, Ray Borg, who had a title contention back in the day, Brian Kelleher. I mean, this guy can fucking grapple, ladies and gentlemen. I do want to have a little asterisk, though. The Marab Davalashvili was the weirdest ending I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, but nonetheless, Ricky Simone's a guy that you don't want to fuck with when it hits the mat. So you got Ricky Simone minus 275, Rafael Sansao plus 235. So uh, Ricky Simone minus 275 plus 235 for Rafael Sansao. The line opened at Ricky Simone um, minus 210. So a lot of action has come on Ricky Simone. And it was instantaneous too. Mm-hmm. Uh, line opened at 210. Betters hit it hard. Steamed it all the way to like two fucking 70, 280, and then it's kind of just tapered all the way, going a little bit lower each each and every day. I imagine this might close with a three in front of it come fight night. And a guy like a guy like Asunsao, who I always held in the highest regards in this UFC division. And I, I thought he was a guy that is the best of the best, beating guys like Marlon Marais, Rob Font, Aljamain Sterling. 
since then, though. TJ Dillashaw. TJ, he lost to TJ. Unless, he oh, no, he, TJ, he, though. Oh, yeah, he beat him, then, then lost. lost. Yeah, but beat, beat, beat Pedro Munoz, too, yeah. But in his last three, he's lost to Marlon Marais via guillotine, Corey Sandhagen via unanimous decision, and then Cody Garbrandt by that knockout felt around the world. Um, so coming in at 39 years of age, we talked about that, Dan, and this might be the exact one you were talking about. Age seemingly plays a factor being 10 years, Ricky Simone senior. I, I don't know how to play this one other than Ricky Simone, but I, I I'm too scared to bet against a sunset. I really am. I know he's fallen on tough times, but like a sunset is still a guy that I hold in phenomenal regards. Yeah. The line's just one- too steep. This one won't see my card unless it's a maybe a parlay. It wasn't the one I was talking about, but it definitely applies. Asunso is just not who he used to was. Um, plus, used Simone's to gonna was. have. Plus, Simone's gonna have a, a pretty decent size and reach advantage here that'll help with that grappling and, and that top control and pressure. I just don't. I don't have the confidence that Asunso's striking has the same pace and accuracy it used to. I don't think he can handle the Ricky Simone storm that's about to come. I, I, and I and I think that the most likely outcome is that Ricky Simone storm, but like, it's it really just comes down to a, a price at this point for me. That really is the truth mm-hmm. of it. I I just can't pay that three hundred against a guy like a Sunsa who took that year and a half off. I wonder how that's refined his game. Parker, where are you at on this one? Um, by Simone by decision mm. is where I'm leaning on this one. Uh. That is plus 130. Mm. Yeah, I mean, any well, anything that gets Simone at a plus tag is worth taking. It's just figuring out how you think he's going to get it done. And for any listeners out there, you want to uh, pair Ricky Simone with GM3 and just get a nice drowning parlay that pays it even money exactly. <laughs> And uh, oh, while while I have the moment, um, I did find the line for uh, the Ferreira fight. So I'm gonna either fighter by sub is plus three eighty. I'm riding that. Okay, that is much safer. Um, and then for the Simone UD, I like that. Um, and then Dan, I'm gonna call that the deep waters parlay that you crafted up over there. Guys, we're just gonna make it. it dirty. Bank card bout: Amanda Lemos versus Angela Hill at one fifteen. This one is just. I mean, it's it's how is Amanda Lemos going to want to get this one done, in my opinion. And the line agrees with me. Amanda Lemos. She's not wins. winning. What? She's not winning. Amanda Lemos isn't? Nope. Angela Hill, you, you heard it here first. All right, I'm intrigued to hear this. Amanda Lemos is minus 400 across most books, minus 335 on five dimes. Angela Hill plus 275. Amanda Lemos opened at 260. And so everybody but Parker seemingly hammered that line there to steam it up to four hunch. Um, but I'm intrigued to hear Parker's not only his prop take, but his take on this fight altogether. Before we get there, though, I got to kick it over to Dank Wagers because I think he might agree with me. Maybe not on the line being so high, but that Lamos will be the victor. I think that Lemos is phenomenal. I think she's one of the more fun to watch women's fighters in the sport. Uh, she's got real knockout power at women's strawweight, which is really rare. But there's a science here. And if, if oh, I learned anything last week, Reese, if you learned anything last week, 
it's woman's dogger pass. Angela Hill is a game veteran. She likes to throw a lot of volume. Shit um, on the bat. The worst I've ever seen off her back on the mat, maybe ever. I I think it's dangerous game to play relying on power and and I'm not even relying on power. I'm relying on power or grappling or submission. The only thing I'm 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 fading is high volume fluff punches from the outside. But that's how a lot of Angela Hill fights go. That is true. I won't I don't I don't hate that take, but I do hate the science in this one. But if I only listened to the science, it would have saved me a fat pay slip on the lioness last week. Fuck you, Kobe, for bringing it up in the first place. <laughs> this is Kobe's fault now. The it whole, the whole, the whole thing, upset. Was, the whole upset was all country he, club's fault. He told Juliana to throw that jab as many times as she did, and, and Nunez apparently can't slip a jab. That, to say the least, also can't go two rounds somehow. What I, 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 Bogdanovich on oh, something I don't want to get Bogdanovich on. Parker, floor's yours. I'm assuming you're going to have some sort of prop with Angela Hill, probably by unanimous decision, but I'm just so intrigued what you saw that the rest of the world is missing. Oh, I didn't see anything other than I, I'm agreeing with Danny. It's dog or pass. Mm. Just watch it. Generally, mm. I, don't, I feel like I'm not always on that side. No, you're, you're not. The risky side of me wants to take her by TKO plus 1,000. I think that's a little bit much. So I'm taking her by decision plus 500. Look, if Angela Hill wins this fight, it, the only scenario is by decision. Uh, and that I'm confident in. She throws what, absolute pillows for hands. I mean, I, I no comment. Plead the fifth. That was some cheese. But, like, Angela Hill, other than her early days where she had a lot of stoppages, she's just the, the decision queen or lack thereof with some of the losses. But, like, if she manages to not get finished by Lemos – and grinds out a victory, it'll have to be by UD. Plus 500 is a fine take, although you're throwing money in the trash because Lemos is going to swamp her. You know what? Actually, no. I was going to risk Dirty Wager, the dirty sponsor, Malort, but I already have a wager coming up here in a second. Um, but, Parker, you're not done on the mic because the next bout is the ankle lock of the week, looking to extend to 30 and 12. So cue us with the sound. Ouchie go wow wow. <laughs> I actually don't even know what the sounds are. It's new every week and they're always better and better. So the ankle lock this week is Steven Wonderboy Thompson, spearheaded by Danny, fueled by me. The whole thing just feels phenomenal. And when I tell you this line, you are gonna be like, holy shit, that seems cheap. Steven Wonderboy Thompson is minus 220. Below Muhammad plus 180 and Wonderboy opened at 250, believe it or not, and has kind of been dancing in the same range. The way the movement went was it was an instant bet that, that went favored uh, Bilal. Then all of a sudden, an even bigger bet that favored Thompson got him all the way up to 260, 270, and it's kind of just tapered out since then. So it seemingly is mixed but starting a, a little bit of late money coming on Bilal. But Danny and I are going to tell you why that's some tomfoolery. Um, but I'll give Danny the floor first. Yeah, I just cannot think of a realistic way for Bilal to win. He's going to have to get Wonder Boy onto the ground if, if 
he thinks he's going to, and multiple times uh, in multiple rounds, if he thinks he's going to do that. And he's not someone who's been consistent with his takedowns. Um, I guess he's going to have to close the distance and, and maybe get this to a clinch position and then maybe throw a trip. But I just see Wonder Boy going to keep tagging him on, on these entries and, and slamming the door in his face. Um, just using his footwork and his takedown defense to style on Bilal for three rounds. I know that it's in the smaller apex cage, but I don't think it's going to matter so much. Um, Thomas struggled against our guy, Gilbert Poha Burns, but I think that Bilal and Gilbert are just not even in the same stratosphere when it comes to the ability to change levels and, and be a takedown threat. I don't think that it's going to have too much problems at all I, I don't think he's gonna be worried i think fun yeah i agree and the the main fight that i like to look at is that that fight against diego lima where he ended up eking out a decision but he struggled in, in a lot of areas against diego lima and then the other thing and it, it's again this i i hate going back this far to 2019 but he, he lost to jeff neal who I know he just beat Ponzi here, but you know who Jeff Neal lost to in 2020? Wonderboy Thompson. He really didn't have many moments in that fight. He got just stylistically dominated, and, and I don't see why this would be any different than that unless Bilal can find a way to not only drag this to the mat, but then continuously keep it on the mat, Oh, like you said, over and over and over again. I, I know Wonderboy's getting up there in age, but we're talking about a guy who should be a champion fought for it multiple times, has been a perennial top five welterweight in the world um, and, and is continuing to beat high-level competition. 2019 beat Vicente Luque. 2019 beat, or 2020, a year ago, was beating Jeff Neal. Um, th this guy is really is stylistically a nightmare. And, and even at the age of 38, almost 39, I think that this is a, a derailing train for Bilal Muhammad, to say the least. Um, Definitely. So looking to extend to the 30 wins on the ankle lock and the, these with the average line being minus 140. So this one's a rarity, even the fact that it's minus 220. So be that much more confident in it. Parker, prop. So I didn't know that this was your ankle lock of the week um, before the, the podcast and before I already made my, my picks. I'm Thompson inside the distance plus 346. And I am go. really liking that. Good. I love it. I thought you were going to say your, the lead up sounded like you're going to say you're on Bilal. Um, so I'm glad that, that, that you see it the same way we no, do. Parker sniffing a question mark kick, just sneaking behind that left ear below and, oh. and lights out all of a sudden I, I would go as far as to say, we'll see him wobbled on skates for a little bit and then tornado kick out of the karate Ooh. master, <laughs> um, styling up on below. Okay. It is time for the main event of the evening. We got Derek, the black beast, Lewis, not a racism, actually his real name, versus Chris Daukus at 265. Danny and I disagreed here, set the spread, went well. Kobe's debating if he cuts that. I say no. But we have a line that intrigued Dan. Daukus minus 140. Uh, Derek Lewis plus 120 was not a surprise to me. Took the rug out from Dan. The line actually opened at Daukus minus 160. Derek Lewis plus 140, and it's kind of just been tapering closer to even ever since the open, um, which is where we're at right now, uh, pretty close to even. So, Dan, I know we disagree on this one, 
and I know we disagree on this one for a multitude of reasons. Sure. I I will I, I will kindly give you the floor first, and then I will pick my arguments based on what you say. <laughs> well, my main thing is I'm really just not sold on Dalkus yet. Obviously, he has really fast hands and good combinations, and he's landing on on, on Durakimov and Olenek and Nascimento, Parker Porter. This is this is why I made the comment earlier about age. What's the average age of the four UFC wins oh, okay. that Chris Dalkus has in his career? Because I did the math earlier. The I can average tell, age I can is already tell over this. 37 years. I can already tell you that that's going to backfire because Derek Lewis is 36. But the, the average age is over 37 years. Derek right, Lewis it's... does not have the same chin of a Shamil Abdurakhimov, Alexi Olenek, or Parker Porter. No, I, I agree with you, but Those I was also, old guys with old chins. I know, but Derek Lewis is 36, almost 37 in a couple months, literally two months. He's 37. And has he, has he ever been dropped in his career? I actually don't believe so. So how does that, well, like how does his chin compared like, to, are you saying dropped or are you saying like TKO'd? Cause he got TKO'd. I'm, saying, I'm saying dropped. Cause he got TKO'd by Cyril Ghan. He got dropped by JDS. I was in the stands there. He just quit on that one. Uh, styled on by DC, just he was getting like my problem is is his record doesn't show it, it's disingenuous. It doesn't show the truth. And if we were sitting here looking at a big favorite price, I would tell you that you're right about the value side. But we're looking at a guy who has not been tested, not been proven, and in all honesty, like when I watched that Abdurakhimov fight back, I didn't notice. Oh. This guy is the real deal. Uh, he should be next in line for a, a con- contender match. I noticed, wow, this guy has a lot of holes in terms of his range management. He has very little head movement. He's getting hit by big hooks from a slow Shamil Abdurakimov who had just taken like three, four years off. And, I mean, and, but and- Derek Lewis, other than the, the one strike that he seemingly really – doesn't telegraph in the fight. He's a guy who has slow looping hooks. He's a guy who swings with almost the difference is when his punch. lands, it's over. If you get landed on by Shamil, it's all right. You can you can take that and trade too because you're faster than him. Guys like Francis Ngannou are afraid to eat a single Derek Lewis punch. Okay, I I in a five-round striking match, because I've also not seen a single second that tells me Chris Dawkins can go out here and do some kind of DC Curtis Blades game plan. Well, so that's what's interesting. 25 minutes of wrestling. I just don't see that. I don't that's see it happening. I think 25 right. minutes of striking. I agree. Give me the dog on that. I agree. Heaviest looking, power in the sport. But you're talking about a guy in, in Dawkins who's 235, more nimble, quicker than a guy who cuts the 265. And also has a significant grappling advantage. He trains. I, see, I don't a, see that. I don't tra- see the significant grappling advantage. He hasn't shown it, but he trains out of a Brazilian jiu-jitsu gym. You know he train he rolls with his brother. I mean, he doesn't roll necessarily because there's a size difference, but like Kyle Dawkins is one of the better grapplers. I know that from the interviews that I've listened to him, Martinez BJJ has less than three heavyweights, and he's rolling most of the time with lighter weight guys. Guys like Derek Lewis are a little bit tougher to roll around. Parker, can you attest to that? You got any Derek Lewis size guys in your Gracie gym? Uh, 
No, but uh, also just to comment that I'm still in just private, so I'm not rolling with anyone yet, other than the, the other than the trainers. Well, I will say that although jujitsu is the single best martial art at a size discrepancy, it can't solve everything, and some guys are a lot harder to maneuver when when you have, yeah, like you said, he's going to come in at 230. Yeah. Derek Lewis cuts to 265. He's going to have 50 look, pounds look, on him on fight look, night. Look, look, look. He does not have the grappling of look, a Curtis Blades. At the end of the day. He does not have the grappling of a DC. At the end of the day, we're talking about a guy who is famous for being funny, has a lot of flash knockouts that have come after getting dominated for three rounds. We, he, he's a guy who doesn't take his diet or – conditioning seriously he's a guy who's he's gagged. taken it a lot more seriously in the past five years i mean years. anything the, the, is a lot more serious the balls are hot Derek lewis is not no but the anything same is, Derek lewis anything is a lot more curtis plays and cereal gone anything's a lot more serious than eating buckets of fried chicken before you fight which he literally said i'm cramping because i ate a bucket of fried chicken before the fight and no you doubt. got a guy and you and when i saw him live just two years ago dan two years ago he absolutely folded against JDS, who is a guy who, who was a year away from retirement. Um, I think that the matchups he's been given has been doing him favors. In Elar Latifi, a 205er gatekeeper, Alexio Linick, a 55-year-old whatever. Um, and, and I think that you're looking at a guy who has lost more minutes in the octagon than he's won, leans off that heavy punches, and – and honestly fits into the formula of a guy that Dalkus is going to roll over being that he's almost 37 years old. He's slow. He he's is a lot very, faster. very, he's a lot, lot faster than okay, Shamil or Alexi yeah. or Rodrigo or Parker Porter. There's I, a I, different fight. Is it? I agree. Three, but four or five steps up. Do you agree with that? I agree. Yes. But the difference that I would say is Dalkus hasn't lost a second of any of his fights. And Derek, I disagree Lewis, with that. I, I, I Douglas, upon watching today, has really not impressed me. I don't know why he's getting this push as this contender. I really think that he's beaten up on guys that should be losing fights and should be getting knocked out as early as they are. I don't think that this knockout streak has much weight as clearly a lot of the sport yeah, and a lot of I, cappers. I, it looks like I'm fooled myself because, I mean, all of a couple years ago uh, – I don't know. I mean, I, I, uh, uh, Shamil's – uh, set to face Tom Aspinall, another guy I consider a top prospect. I know you agree with me on that one. I don't know why Chris Dalkus is your guy that you're just like, this guy is a fraud. And we all have him. I think there are tons of guys who are frauds. Israel Asanya, I still think, is a fraud. And that has aged so poorly. We all have it. I'm just curious why yours is Dalkus because and, I yeah, think I mean, Derek Lewis just, is a fraud. I, and I'm not here saying that Derek Lewis is, is this perennial unbelievable mixed martial artist no we know his game plan he's got to land he's got to hurt chris he's got to land that one shot i think at a dog price that's the value side we've seen him repeatedly land that one shot against guys that know it's coming know that's the only opportunity and are looking for it and, and have trained a full camp in curtis blades case to avoid it the I other thing guy like chris dalkis doesn't have that experience this is a guy who five fights ago one fight before he got into the UFC was losing to Azuna and Yanwu got knocked out in the second round in cage fury FC one fight before he got signed. It's an undersized heavyweight. I just don't, I like, I, 
here's here's one him. more thing, Dan, that's interesting is I don't know why you're so surprised that Derek Lewis is a dog when he's no stranger to being a dog. He's almost a dog in every fight he's ever been in. I'm surprised he's a dog because I'm just not sold on Daukus. I think that Derek Lewis is going to feel really, really comfortable not having to worry about any kind of grappling threat or power threat. And I think this is the first time in a lot of no fights that he hasn't threat. had that. I, yeah, I don't think a undersized 235er, as you said, and Chris Daukus is a power threat to a guy like Derek Lewis. And Let's maybe see. I'll eat those words and I'll Let's eat some alert see. as well. If, if round if I'm wrong, one, but... KOTKO, round one, KOTKO for Lewis. One, I have, KO I have hooks. round one, KOTKO round for Derek one, Lewis. knees and punches, standing TKO, round two, right cross ground. Yeah, he must lack power. Five straight finishes. Reese, if it wasn't for last week, the biggest bath you've taken on any card this year has been Derek Lewis. That is true. Let's make that it again. Fair. Okay, that is true. But to be fair, you also were on Curtis Blades there. And and to be fair, that was a much better matchup than this is. And I would bet Curtis Blades again because Curtis Blades is three, four, five, six stratospheres ahead of Daukus in what we've seen in the grappling. Uh, well, I don't think there's any need to break up the ankle pick pod with this one. We have a Malort bet on it. And it, 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 it might, for the first time in a very rare scenario – you'll see a play on the opposite sides, um, which is something you do not see in ankle pick history often. Parker, where your allegiances lie? You came in with these before you heard any of us talk. What do you got here? I'm with Danny Lewis, TKO plus 175. Wow, Dan. Vegas doesn't even think his TKO KO is probable. They think it's real probable. That's a plus one, one in front of that for a prop, Reese. But plus, Danny. But plus, what what is it for Daukus? Out of curiosity, before we, because there's uh, some da- barbs being thrown. Daukus is plus one thirty. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know if the ship I want to, the bet I want to sleep in is is Daukus's, but this is seemingly where I find myself. Um, anything we want to sign off with before we just let it, you know, I know we got some announcements. We kind of touched on a little bit, but you know, we got this fight card this week and a little bit of break before the new year. Yep. Second to last episode before the new year, like we mentioned, we'll come back next week with our kind of recap of the season. Um, that's all I got. Interact. On socials at Ankle Pick Pod. Thanks again to the Believe Podcast Network and Jefferson's Malort. So with that, can I get a poha? Poha! Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.